Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Streetlights America podcast. My name is Daniel King, and today I want to ask you a question. And this question may seem trivial to some. Some might think they have the answers. And with this question, I want to also give you my perspective on the answer. So jumping into God's word, we are in Matthew 16, verses 13 through 15. And Jesus is gathered with his disciples and decides to ask them a question, more specifically what people think about him. As it says in verse 13, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And the disciples give their various answers. Now, these answers are from what the general public thinks of Jesus, who they think he is. Seeing the signs and wonders that he does, seeing the words he teaches and he preaches, their response is, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, most of these people that are listed have been dead and gone for a while. And there are prophecies in scripture that said some of these prophets would return. And indeed, some have. And Matthew even records that at the death of Jesus Christ that many prophets came back. However, obviously Jesus is none of those. So Jesus decides to challenge them and ask them the question, But who do you say that I am? Now keep in mind, these are the people who met with Jesus. They felt that God was telling them to go with him and follow him, whatever he was doing. And they had a choice to make if he was really who he says he is, or if his works really do speak for themselves. And today, I want to pose that question to you. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say he is? Like, who is he? Is he some old scholar that nobody cares about? Was he just a really wise teacher and that's it? Was he something more? Was he less? Who is Jesus to you? And before we go there, there's two things I want to do. First, I want to tell you who he is to me. And that fits into three different categories. They are all related, but but how I view Jesus and who he is to me is best described by three traits. And then also, we need to see what Peter's response was to this question. So first, let me tell you who Jesus is to me. First, to me, he is a savior, and not just any savior. He is the savior. And what exactly do I mean by that? Well, let's take my character into account here for just a second. When I record, when I talk to you guys, when I'm around other people, you, most people, I'm sure a lot of people would probably consider to be kind of to myself, mild-mannered, respectful, and yet there's still something wrong with me. And no offense meant, there's something wrong with all of us. Let's just admit it. If, if we all take a solid look at ourselves in the mirror, at any point in the day, we're, if we look hard enough, we're going to find some kind of flaw. And I'm not just talking about, I'm not necessarily talking about your facial features. I'm talking about when you think about the thoughts you had during the day, the decisions you made during the day, the way you treated people during the day, the way you feel about other people during the day. How you prefer to respond versus how you actually respond to various situations. 
I think it's easy to say that there is something very off about us. Reason for that. We were meant to have a relationship with the Creator, with the Creator of the universe. We were meant to have a relationship with the Lord, and yet we, our ancestors chose to sever ourselves from that. They chose to go the other way. And as a result, we've all picked up on it. It's almost inescapable. Anything you learn from your parents gets passed down to you and vice versa. And then you pick up new habits and you, and then you become something that if you really squint hard enough, you won't like yourself. At least that's my experience. The simple word for this is sin. The things that we perverse in this life that God meant for good or just selfish nature that we apply to the way we live. The sinful nature, the things that go after what we want versus what is actually good, not just for ourselves, but for others around us. Now, Jesus, being the son of the creator, the son of God, came in to fill that gap for us. To help not just forgive, but to also reconcile us to himself and to his father. What that basically means is that he came in, died on a cross, and was raised to life on the third day, all for the sake of redeeming his creation, redeeming us to his father. And this is something, if you really think about it, he didn't have to do this. We, he could have just let us all go to hell if he really wanted to. I know that's a harsh way of putting it, but he could have. God could have just said, nope, my creation's done. Jesus could have said, nope, I'm not going to do this. I'm going back home. But he didn't. He chose to go through with it. And today, millions of people around the world reap the benefits of this. They reap the salvation that comes with this. It's not necessarily an easy life, but it's a fulfilling life. And it's something that we are given, and we just have to accept and take that in. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. It's not something we earn. It's something that he decided to put himself through for us. When was the last time that you just put yourself through something that you absolutely hated, but you knew that it would be good not necessarily for yourself, but it was good for your loved one, your sons, your daughter, your mother, father, whatever it is. When was the last time you pushed yourself to do something that made you uncomfortable, but you knew it was for them? Jesus did that to the highest, highest calling. All for the sake of bringing us to him rather than to condemnation. Romans 10.9 If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm still fighting through life, I have to admit. There's still a lot of stuff I don't understand. There are some areas in my life that I've examined over the past few weeks, months, where I'm realizing that I am void of God's spirit there. But regardless, I am confessing that he is the son of God and that he is the savior. And thus, that is what he did for me first. That was the first thing he did for me, was show me the kind of person I really am and the kind of person I could be if I step in his path, if I follow his footsteps. I chose to do that, and that is why first off, he is my savior. The second thing that he is to me 
and this one's personally very important to me, is that he is my constant in an ever-changing and just chaotic world. There are lots of things in this life that are constant that we'll be seeing over and over. We'll see nations rise and nations fall. We'll see humanity be greedy. We'll see humanity be selfish. There are things that are constant, but when you look at the mess of the chaos, it sweeps out under you so fast. One minute a man's your friend, the next minute he's your enemy. Why? I don't know. A decision you made? Maybe a decision they made. But the world is not constant. The things it teaches is not constant. The philosophies of the world constantly changes all the time. Sometimes they have common themes because they're all trying to find a common goal. But they change on how and why we exist. Some say by accident, some say by deities. Some say, these days, even from aliens, which... Honestly, I don't know what the difference is, but it happens. This world is just chaos all around. 2020, good example of that. Everybody around the world basically had the rug pulled out from under them so hard and they never saw it coming. They just fell back and hit their heads on the concrete and it's it hasn't been pleasant for most of us. Perhaps the only thing that is constant in this world are two things. It's full of evil and it's constantly changing the way it attacks and the way it twists and messes with us. However, Jesus is constant in every single way. He is still the loving Savior. He's still the Lamb of God. He's still a fighter on our behalf. He's still the Lion of Judah. He still intercedes for us. He's still the High Priest of the Living God. This is one thing throughout all of history that hasn't changed for over 2,000 years. Perhaps through different eyes of different cultures, they've looked at it slightly differently. But nonetheless, the grace, the mercy, the salvation, the teachings of Jesus, and not just the teachings of Jesus, but scripture as a whole, from Genesis to Revelation, has shown to be constant, never changing. God in particular doesn't change. Jesus, by all things, does not change. Hebrews 13.8 Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Also carrying into verse 9, Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. What this is basically saying is that the comforts we search for in this life are not fulfilling. And the doctrines of this world, like I mentioned earlier, the way we think, the way we talk, what we accept as good and evil, constantly changes. But Jesus Christ is the same always. Everything that he has taught is the same. Everything that the Lord taught even before that is the same. Nothing's changed as far as the reach of the gospel and the calling to the kingdom. That has not changed for anyone. And for me, that constant of grace and mercy and a constant calling in an ever-changing world is really important, at least for me. I find it important. Because the last thing I want is to spend my life wondering who I am or where I'm supposed to be or what I'm supposed to live for. Because I could live for myself, but 
I've tried that and that gets really boring really fast. It's very unsatisfying. Just just putting that out there for those of us who like to indulge in ourselves. And even we change. Our preferences change. Not even five years ago, I was drinking Mountain Dew Code Red like it was water. And now uh, my beverage of choice is quite literally root beer. I change too in many ways. But having God as my constant to tell me where I'm going, what I'm living for, is very important. And because his salvation and everything is constant, it's an anchor. It's a stronghold for my heart. Psalms 37 verse 39 says, But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in their time of trouble. What the Lord has done for me throughout my relatively short life compared to a lot of people, I'm going to have to admit is nothing short of astounding. When I really look back at where I started from to where I am now, which admittedly may not be a high rise in New York, but it doesn't really matter. Where I feel God calling me to be, it's almost unbelievable, actually. And because of his righteousness and his strength, I have peace in times of trouble. Yes, I still struggle. I still fear. I have to admit. But there's a constant hope. There's a constant anchor for my soul that cannot be found in anybody else's doctrines or teaching, honestly. I've looked into other religions and seen what they believe. It basically says, be good, be good. And someday you might make it. Jesus is saying the opposite, really. He's saying, trust in me and I will get you there. The only way that you could fail is not trusting him. And that's your choice. And I chose to trust him. And I've made him my constant. In spite of my ever-changing opinions, my ever-changing decisions, and also this ever-changing world, he is my constant. And he always puts me back where he wants me to be. And in this world, that is something that I really want and absolutely long for. The third and final and perhaps the most important thing that Jesus is to me is that he is more than a savior and he is more than a constant. He is God. Seeing that he is the Son of God and shares power equally to him, as far as I concern, and as far as the scripture says, he is God. In, Re in Revelation, he is described as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, how else do you get a title like that? Other than him being God. I like John chapter 1. The Gospel of John just opens up, does not pull any punches, and just says up front that he is God. John 1 verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness does not comprehend it. You know, some people might call you crazy for holding something 
in such high regard. But I have to ask you this. What do you hold in high regard? That nobody deems crazy, but if you really squint at it, you can realize how dumb it actually probably is. Let's be honest here. Is it a car? I, I like cars. There's some really cool cars out there. I'm working on a beat-up old truck that I'm hoping that when I this time goes on, I can make it look like an awesome, make it look as close to original as possible. But for now, it's literally just sitting there, rusting away as I put it back together. That's what it's doing. If a car goes fast, I'm interested. Camaro, Mustang, heck, I would be excited to be able to drive a Lamborghini or an Aventador. You name it. I, I'd be interested. I'd be down. And so many people hold things like that as idols. Let's say movies, for instance. Let's say you're like this person who's into a big nerdy universe like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or there's just so much stuff involved that you get so nerdy into it. I've looked into it. I find it intriguing. But I've realized it can't be my god. None of these things can be. Because quite frankly, and as it goes back to my second point, constantly changes. I need a God who is real, a God who is just, a God who is faithful, and a God who is merciful. I don't know of any other living thing or anything in the universe that better fits that description than Jesus Christ. I really don't. If you have something, show it to me. Let's lay them out before, let's lay out our offerings on the altar and let's see who comes forth. But in my life experience, Jesus Christ is the ultimate and forever will be. He is God. He is Lord of all. And the day is coming when he will give this earth a fair shake in leadership. He will come and say, let me rule over you for a while. And give us a fair shake at seeing what true justice and mercy both coexisting look like in a kingdom in leadership. Something that we all probably want to see to some degree. For now though, I am gracious to have him as my God. And with that being said, I'd like to finish up Matthew 16 from where we left off. Actually starting at 15, to be correct. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ the Son of the Living God. Now, what's interesting about this is not so much Peter's response, but it's Jesus, what he tells him afterwards. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The amazing thing about all this is that Jesus points out that there's no way that humanity can teach you who Jesus is. And with all due respect to my mother and father, who, yes, they were Christians, and, they, and I would argue that they did well to raise me and show me what a good life looks like, they couldn't show me what Jesus was really like. That's something that we all have to experience by ourselves. No flesh or blood can actually convince us of that. 
just speaking from experience, it's easy to be convinced on some things just because somebody told you. Some things are easier than others. But the thing is to actually be convinced that Jesus is God and to actually start a walk with him, that takes more than just a pastor at a pulpit or a parent at home. Now, you do hear me say often that parents and family have a responsibility to their children and to each other to be good examples for God because that's what he asked. But the secret is not that they are being good. It's that God's goodness is working through them. Because if you think about it, you can meet a lot of people who are good per se, who, you know, you find them to be inspiring or they shared something with you and you, you like what they shared. But conviction of who Jesus is comes from something much deeper. It comes in seeing that those actions are not of their own doing, that they are of God's doing. Compassion and mercy are hard ones to come by. Forgiveness is hard to come by. When you meet somebody who can really forgive, odds are they have had an encounter with God that no one else can explain. And quite frankly, their ability to be willing to forgive is an act of God on itself. Because honestly, I can say from some mild experience that when somebody hurts you in one way or another, it's easy to hold a grudge. It doesn't take much. And it's because of that kind of power that Christ is revealed to us. And the fact is, it's never going to be overturned. No government can override it. No religions can put it out. Nothing can or will destroy it. The Soviets tried, the medieval church tried, governments and societies around the world have tried to stifle the growth of the gospel. They can't, they won't. And it's just going to continue to reach and grow and fill people's hearts with something that they can't explain until the day comes when Christ calls us all home. Now, I want to ask you to consider seeing how I see Jesus and how Jesus is described to be and how he actually is. I like to encourage anybody who's listening to this, no matter what stage you are in your life, to start your own exploring. Now what I encourage everyone listening to this to do is if you feel that there is something nagging at your shoulder about this and that you do feel that Jesus is calling out to you, to look deeper into him and find out who he really is. That you do so. Find good, godly counseling. Sometimes it's hard to find that these days. But also you could just start by finding a Bible. They're easy to find these days. Start reading the Gospels and get to know him as he is. If you feel him calling you to him, make that move. I promise you, you're not going to really find any other way or any other path. Jesus reminded his disciples in chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is really no true alternative. With God being the creator of the universe, and this being the opportunity he's laid before you, how can you deny it? Why would you turn the other way? And I know there's a lot of people who are listening to this who, 
who probably aren't feeling this pull or feeling a calling or even care. But regardless, I still want to ask you that question that Jesus asked his disciples. And he still asks us this question today. Who do you say he is? Who do you say he is? That choice is ultimately up to you. But I do hope that you feel him tugging on your heartstrings and on your soul and calling you to see him for who he really is. That he's not just this thing that pop culture makes fun of or this thing that some weird old people go to a church every Sunday just to sing to. No, he's real. I am by no means an old boomer, with all due respect to my uh, elders out there, but God has worked in my life, and I am definitely not going to be the last one. I highly doubt that. I have declared Jesus Christ to be my Savior, my constant anchor and hope, and ultimately God, the Lord of my life. And I am hoping that whoever is listening to this will begin to take those steps in that direction. I don't care if you're 15. I don't care if you're 8. I don't care if you're 75. I don't care if you're in your 40s. It doesn't matter what stage in life you are. I don't care if you've been to a church a million times. I don't care if you've never heard of this or you've hidden a basement. God already knows you very well. And he wants you to get to know him. And that's up to you to listen to his calling in that time. So I pray fervently for all of you. I want to thank you all so much for listening and for spending some time with us. Spend quality time with the Lord and get to know Him on a personal level. Thank you all so much for listening. May God bless you.